It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Every single newspaper today has uh, photographs and articles about Ashleen Murphy. And of course, now it was yesterday we were, you know, hearing about the death of this beautiful young teacher. But now more and more information is coming out about her and a uh, a picture has started to be painted so that for the because it's a murder that has absolutely rocked the country. But now we're getting a better feeling of who Ashleen was and what a beautiful, beautiful young woman. What, what a gorgeous spirit she appeared to have. And her family have been so kind in releasing photographs. And that's why so many of the newspapers today have these stunning photographs of of Ashleen and her family have spoken out uh, um, about obviously about their devastation and about how they are now trying to come to terms of what life is going to be like without she was their youngest child she was the baby of the family she was just starting out on her career as a teacher and all of the opportunities that were ahead for her and she'd actually only graduated last year and many of the papers have the picture of and it's a very typical Irish family graduation photograph of you know Ashleen in surrounded by her, you know, her mom, her dad, her brother, and her sister, and you know the pride of the, the, the. You can see how proud the family were. Here's their youngest daughter, you know, graduating from uh, college from Mary I uh, College and graduating as a primary teacher. And it's just, and it was a photograph that was only taken in October of last year, so only you know a number of months ago when the family couldn't have been anything but happy and thinking about the future. And she's just after starting a new job and you just have this sense of how will they ever get on with their lives? How will they ever get over this uh, loss? I mean, her mother uh, said that she used to head out every morning and the last thing she used to say was, ma'am, I love you. And that's the last thing she would have said on Wednesday morning as she headed out uh, to school. Her dad, then Raymond, talking about her as a brilliant girl in every sense of the word. He said she was a great worker, she had great drive and of course she was a marvellous musician and he, you know, he made the point that she crammed so much into her short life. She was only 23 years uh, on this earth and she just crammed in so much. She played with Kjoltis Kjoltorier in all over Ireland. She had travelled to on tours to the UK with uh, Kjoltis. She was in their youth choir. She was also a member of their senior orchestra and there was, she had so much respect from the musical world, from the Kjoltis world, world 
because she was so good and such a fantastic musician and of course the passion came the family are steeped in music and actually Raymond her dad actually played with the Fury Brothers at one stage before uh, going on to play in a band called Best Foot uh, Forward so they were speaking and of course there's a lot went up online of her playing the violin yesterday and you could see how talented uh, she was she as I say she graduated from Mary I College in Limerick just last October then she got a position there was a position advertised at Darrow National School a school very close to where she lived she applied for that thrilled to get the position and of course she the class that she was to teach was the first class uh, pupils and she was delighted because she would be able to come home at night and stay at home so she was obviously a bit of a, a home bird uh, as well and the principal yesterday you may have seen him speaking on the news uh, James Hogan like he spoke about the, the Ashling's pupils in first uh, class and how she brought all of her talents to the classroom with her with a, a smile and a shrine of candles and flowers were placed at the gate of the school. There was a photograph of her. There was another one inside in the school school doors and it would just was heartbreaking to see some of the little notes and the little cards that the school her pupils and the other pupils you know I love you Miss Murphy and there was one picture of you know in very childlike drawings of an adult and holding a little child's hand and on the top of it was I love you Miss Murphy and then you and me I just thought oh my god this this little girl you know idolising her teacher and I heard a parent say that she was she was their world because they're first class pupils another pupil was asked about her and she said that you know if you if you get if you get anything wrong she doesn't give out to you she'll show you how to do it in instead and the former principal of the school was saying anytime you walked into the the classroom it was just always full of brightness and smiles and you could see how relaxed the children were in the class and of course those little children have to come to terms with the death and the murder of their much-loved teacher. That's going to be difficult. They'll carry that with them, I guarantee. Even though what they're seven-year-olds, they will carry it with them for the rest of their lives. She was also, Ashley was also passionate about sports and she was, it's been very sporty from a young girl. And actually she plays with the local Camogie uh, club. And that was the reason that she was out jogging on Wednesday. She was jogging on the canal pathway to get her fitness up because the team were back training so you know that's that's the reason that she was where she was you know and people would say you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and that shouldn't you know that should not be uh, the case she left her not that national school her job on Wednesday after, afternoon to go for a jog and she would never come home and never go back to the school and she and nobody uh, was to know that. It's just, it's a truly, truly shocking uh, case. And then a lot of people would have woken this morning to the news that the Gardaí have released the man that they were treating as the main suspect for Ashleen's murder. The man who had been held at Tullamore Garda Station since Wednesday was allowed to leave custody late last night and in a statement that we've seen from Garda Shia Corner they say the male has been eliminated from their inquiries and is no longer a, a suspect. They have completely ruled out this man because I think there was a sense of comfort 
for the people in the area who were just devastated with the news of this murder. But they were taking some comfort and some security, I think, from the fact of knowing that there was a man in custody. And now to hear this morning, and many local people were only hearing it uh, this morning when they got up, that the man has been released and the guardies say, look, this guy has absolutely nothing at all uh, to do with the murder. The guardian now obviously issuing a fresh appeal for members of the public to come forward with any information. And the Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, she described the murder as absolutely devastating. And I I think she summed up how a a lot of women felt. She said, I see this is I see this as every woman's worst nightmare because while we shouldn't, women do take precautions and it is unfortunately the case that women don't always feel safe. She said, Ashleen went for a run in broad daylight. She went to an area that was populated. She went to an area that so many local people felt was a safe area to go for a run or a jog. Yet this happened to her on Wednesday and this is why Helen McEntee said it is every woman's worst uh, nightmare. And looking at uh, figures from women's age, 244 women has di- have died as a result of violence in this country from 1996. So while they, you know, it's a rare enough thing to happen, but still 244 women, that's 244. It's, it is just simply too many uh, lives and added into that are 18 children who would have died alongside their mothers in very violent uh, incidents. And as is the case with uh, Ashlyn, women under the age of 35 make up half of all of the female murder victims that are were recorded by Women's Aid uh, since 1996. So how do we stop it? How do we stop this violence against uh, women? How do we allow women to feel safe when they go out? I mean, a man, and I know men can be attacked, but a man can decide to go out for a walk or a jog at any hour of the day or night and pick his route. And it's, but it's very different for women. Women have to decide in advance, is that area going to be safe? If it is going to be in the evening time or early in the morning, is it going to be well lit? You hear of women who regularly go out jogging and walking and they'll change their route. They don't want anybody to know where, you know, the route that they take. And that shouldn't be the case. We, we should be able to live in a society where a woman feels safe when she heads out her front door to go for a bit of exercise, to go out and socialise, and she shouldn't be in fear of her life. And I know we again saw, you know, the hashtag, not, not every man, and it isn't every, every man. And I know that a lot of people get very annoyed when they see that hashtag, not all uh, men, because it, you're right, it isn't always men. But when a woman gets murdered, it nearly always is a man that is responsible for it. But that's not to say that we're not surrounded by very good men in our lives. We've got fathers and husbands and brothers and nephews and sons who are good, good men. But unfortunately, there is a small proportion of men who feel it is okay to be violent against women. And how do we stop that? And how do we make society so that it is safe for all of us? OK, some of your texts and comments uh, which are welcomed to the programme this morning. Listener says, hi, as a man. I'm shocked and horrified that Ashley received such a death. 99.9% or more of men would protect their wife, their daughter, their mother, their sister, their niece or any other female friend from any harm at all. This incident brings shame on men. We need to go back to the age of chivalry. An ordinary good 
manners, especially towards girls and women, but also for all of society. That's a good point. Yeah, have we lost that age of chivalry and just good, decent manners? It should be put onto the school curriculum, I think, and taught in the homes. Uh, it is a sad, bad day for Ireland, to peop- um, the people of Ireland. Don't let it happen again. Boys and men, I beg you, please respect and treat girls and women as you would want your own mother or your own sister to be treated. Thanks uh, for to reading my text and thank you uh, for uh, sending it. Morning Patricia, I don't want to be judging jury here but that and I can't use that word on air uh, that if, when, please God that person is caught for that young girl's life, he should be hung. Uh, somebody else is making, Patsy and Bandit is making the same point, thinking of that uh, family and what that family are going through and other family other families that have suffered over the years when they've lost loved ones through circumstances like this. I feel it's time to bring back the death sentence as when they go to jail, there just seems to be cushy facilities uh, for them. The system just does not seem to be working. And we're also looking for people, if you are involved, because in a couple of minutes we're going to be hearing about somebody who's organising a vigil in Mallow later on this evening. If you know of one going on in your area now, John Paul is drawing up lists of ones that we're hearing about or that we spotted on social media. But if you are aware of one happening in your area, let us know because I think a lot of people just want to do something to show that to to show their disgust I think at what has happened and in some way to try to lend some sort of support to the Murphy family we can only do it from afar but just to show the family that Ashley has been taught been taught about all over the country and there's many lovely candlelit vigils and walks been uh, organised and Mary is on to say that the people of McCroom are heading to the town park tonight at uh, 6 o'clock people are told to please wear a mask and bring a light or a candle with you please thank you for that uh, Mary Hi Patricia I've got tears streaming down my face for Ashley and her family but it also hits a chord on my neighbour's daughter who died tragically last year and you know when I was thinking about Ashley yesterday and as I say I had to move away from social media because it just it was it almost became overwhelming at, at some stage because there were so many people wanted to comment and wanted to vent their anger and just wanted to remember her uh, as well but it was just overwhelming at one stage but of course a lot of people as well are talking about a case that dominated the U in the UK Sarah Everett in London I mean that led to mass street pro, uh, pro, uh, protests um, Sarah Everett was the young woman again she was walking home from a friend's house it was March of last year God it's coming up to a, almost a year since she was murdered and of course she was picked up by he was a serving Met Police Officer Wayne uh, Cousins and of course he arrested her you know saying that she'd broken Covid rules and you know he was a police officer so she abided by what he said and he abducted her in his car and then he raped and strangled her before burning her body and disposing of her, her remains and um, and of course then it emerged afterwards that there had been previous incidents of indecent exposure and sexual assault evolving this police officer and then the apparent failure of the police force to investigate him properly but there's so many other names I mean remember Anna Creasel the young 14 year old who was found murdered in the dilapidated house in Lucan in Dublin I mean other names spring into mind even locally gorgeous Karen Buckley from Moorn Abbey what happened to her in uh, Glasgow um, Nadine Lott and like the list of names of young women 
just there's just too many of them. There literally is just too uh, many of them. Someone says uh, it goes to show how important it is to say I love you to your kids when they're heading out and that's what her mother will always remember. Yes, he it was the last thing that Ashley said every morning as she left the house to head off to work. She'd say, love you, ma'am. And off she'd head. And then Stephen and Kerry says, just on another angle to this case, uh, Patricia, for those that watched the programme last Monday night, was it Crimes and Confessions? It's called, it's a, it's a three-part uh, series on RTE. I can't help thinking how lucky the suspect is who has now been completely eliminated from the Garda inquiries and that it is uh, 2022. If it was 1970, there was every chance he would have signed, in inverted commas, the confession to the murder. May she rest in peace. And that's from Stephen in uh, County Kerry. That's a, a valid point, uh, Stephen, for sure. Now, nationwide, we're hearing of uh, vigils that are taking place today and indeed over the coming days. I know the first of them was in Galway. There was one in Galway uh, yesterday. The National Women's uh, Council are holding one outside a door. Aaron this afternoon between four and five and obviously that would have been around the time that uh, she died and in obviously in Tullamore itself there is one in the town park today or oh, that's also at four and then there's a number uh, d- dotted around the country at six o'clock uh, this evening there's one in Limerick there's one in Waterford there's one in Clonmel there is one in uh, Carlow and a walk is going to take place in Cork City tomorrow at the Atlantic Pond. It's the Porky Cueve side and then it will loop back along the marina. That's tomorrow morning at half past nine and then there will be a vigil at Patrick Street in Cork at 2pm tomorrow. We're trying to get through to some of local organisers as well but we're John Paul, but no, we're not having uh, any luck there. There is the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork and Mary Crilly have has sent on to say that they will be walking at that one tomorrow morning at the Atlantic Pond and they say due to COVID-19 they were unable to organise a gathering but instead what they've decided to do they're going to light candles on the steps of the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork at half past four today because half past four seems to be a time when there's like nat- they're asking people nationwide to light uh, candles and uh, Mary Crilly and the Sexual Violence Centre are saying if anybody's in the city or travelling to the city if you want to drop off candles to them and they'll light them then on the steps from half past four today and they are encouraging everyone who is at home and who can't get out to attend any of the vigils to please have a candle lighting in your home today between four and uh, five o'clock. And I know the Lord Mayor of Cork, in conjunction with the Deputy Lord Mayor and the Chair of the Cork City Women's Caucus, they're opening an online book of condolence today for the late Ashleen uh, Murphy. And we'll see if we can uh, find out where that online book of condolence is and maybe share it on our social media uh, pages. The Commodore Hotel in Cove this evening, vigil there at seven. Canturk Park won this evening at uh, six. There, the Mangala, is it Mangala in Douglas? That's at seven o'clock tonight. You're invited to please bring a candle with you. And we mentioned the Mill Street Town Park. Bring a light or a candle, please. And then there is a silent vigil this afternoon at half four at Barry's Lane in Yall 
for anyone that wants to show their solidarity. And we even have details of one for next Monday, the 17th, 7pm at Bridge Lane in Bandon. It's the outdoor seating area at the Fish uh, Corner. And they're asking people if they want to come along in memory of of Ashleen Murphy. And as I say, that's just some of the ones, if you know of any other one in your area, uh, to please let us know. And we'll add it to the lists that the list that we're making up here. And then we'll do our best to give as many shout outs as we can. Because as I say, there is an outpouring of love and support, particularly for the family. And people just want to show their respect and want to be able to uh, attend some of these uh, vigils. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And uh, continue to let us know if you are organising a vigil in your area, please, because the senseless murder of Ashley, I think, has hit everybody in this country. And it is news, I think, that has just shocked everyone to the core. Joining me from the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork is uh, Mary Crilly. Uh, good morning to you, Mary. Morning, Patricia. It's hard to make sense of this senseless murder, isn't it? I think like, like you and everybody else in the country, I'm stunned and I'm angry and I'm kind of very weary of, you know, the violence against women that's perpetrated all the time. You know, the murders are horrific and, you know, to have children, 44 murders since 1997 is quite a lot and it is horrific and I think everybody's feeling angry about it. And, like, what I'm really asking for is the men of Ireland to stand up and be counted, you know, and call their friends out, call people out, you know, if they know that they're being abusive or they're being violent to their partners or to somebody else. Just really, you know, change the culture, change the culture from asking women how they can be safe to kind of saying to the guys, you can't do this anymore. Like, murder, I know, is the extreme, you know, really is the extreme, but the other violence perpetrated against women is too normalised and too common and happens far too often. Yeah, and to stop almost, you know, making it like it's a joke if a lad has been blokey against a, a shirt. It's just, he's, it's just a lad being a lad. We need to call it out when it is sexism or when it is abuse. Like I, I was struck by something Sarah Benson from Women's Aid said last night where she said at one stage when she did work in a bar, she found men would talk about a particular friend who was very abusive to their partner or their girlfriend. But when that friend came into the bar, they all remained silent. They didn't say a word. So, like, is this the men of Ireland who could change this? Women can't do any more than they're doing. And, like, I'd like men to kind of know how much women need them and want them around. And, like, if a man is walking up a road, he might be fed up because a woman in front of him is looking around and feels awkward. She doesn't know that he's a man not to be afraid of. You know, women are trained nearly to be afraid of all men, even if there's even if it's only a bare minority of men that you need to be worried about or concerned about. So we, what we don't know is women. Even looking at women last night on TV who are from a black box, a running club, who do professional kind of jogging or who love jogging, and they're saying they wouldn't go up without keys in their hands, without ear, you know, with earphones on, all this kind of stuff, and all this behaviour that they have to do all the time. We need to kind of call a halt and we need to say why is this happening and how can we, how can the men protect us and how can the men stand up to their colleagues and friends who are doing this, or even the men who are walking behind them who. You know, who realise this woman feels awkward behind me, so what do I do? Do I walk in front of her or do I cross the road or what do I do? Even start talking about it, how do we as men behave so the woman in front of me doesn't feel safe? 
you know, it does feel Yeah, safe. I saw that woman, it was one of the women, one of the Vox Pops on the news last night saying, you know, when she's jogging, if she sees a man, she'll go across the road. So maybe it's time for when the man sees the woman coming for him to cross the road. I think for something or to kind of even say, you know, you're OK. Yeah, or yeah. Something. You know, and I, and, I, and I'm not um, criticising the men here because the majority don't want this. They don't. They aren't even aware. I think that a woman is crossing the road because he's behind them. So it's not that we all keep talking about it because up to now it's been seen as a woman's problem, and it's not the woman's problem because women and young girls can do no more than they're doing. You know, women are still groped on the street, and that's happening. And people think that's a laugh. You go into a bar or even a coffee shop where women are slagged off and called names and that's tolerated and accepted. We need to stop it there because I think right now the whole country is in shock at the death of a lovely, lovely young woman. Who had um, her and whole life. What's happening. Yeah. She, she had her whole life ahead of her and it was th- that was something I was saying earlier, you know, if you read through any of the papers today, we're starting to get a picture of this young woman and what a talented young woman she was and you just... It's just, it's, it's, and then she sounded like somebody you'd, you'd, you'd love to be teaching your kids. She yeah. sounded yeah. so lovely, so warm, so much fun, so energised. You'd, you'd love her to be teaching your kids. You know, I heard really one would. of the parents of the first class saying that um, Miss Miss Murphy, as she would have been known to the kids, she was their world. Because when you're that age and you have a young, enthusiastic teacher who's good at music and good at sport and brought such such love and light into the classroom, she was their world. She was, yeah. She and was. then and they have to grow up. Like, like they, yeah. would be. they have to grow up knowing that we don't live in a, a safe society. And I, I can't imagine how you explain to children in first class that the teacher who they were sat with a couple of days ago is now dead. I think that must be very difficult for the parents and appalling. Some of I would just like the energy of this to keep going and for us not to have this conversation again next year that the men will start standing up and saying, look, I'm really sorry I didn't realise this. Like what did hearten me this morning was um, we're having just lighting candles on the steps of the centre around half four because I'm going to be going along to do other things that other people are organising. And I love when women organise it or men organise it off their own bat, you know, when it's not organised by us, by a centre. So we said we just do candles this evening. And, you know, when I came in, a man seemed in his 50s had been in with two candles that looked very worn. They looked like they'd been used quite a lot, probably all he had in the house or in oh. his flat or whatever. And he dropped them in to say, would you like these on the steps at half four? I just yeah. really gave me lift, you know, because I get tired of the kind of, when we talk about this, we get bombarded with the hashtag, not all men. We know it's not all men. We really know it's only a minority of men doing this. And the energy sometimes can turn from, let's see possibly how we can make changes, the kind of, well, you do know it's not all men. And I'd like all, not all men, for in, the, in this particular case, just to quieten down a bit. Yeah, so and, and you're right. Like, it, it's not all men. But it's nearly always a man that does it. It is, it is. But nobody has ever said it's all men, do you know. Yeah, so yeah. Just the thing is concerned. I just think this is too serious um, to change that way, and we just need to respect kind of what's happening for the next few days, but really get the conversation going. Yeah, and it's sort. Of, I mean, when we think about last year, the Sarah Everett case in London. Yeah. A- again, was a young woman you know, doing all the right, just walking home. She was going from a exactly. friend's house to her own house. And and that particular police officer, when it came out afterwards, he'd been jokingly referred to as the rapist by his, by his exactly. workmates. And then we call it random attacks. And they're not random attacks. You know, they're very much 
planned or premeditated. He mightn't have decided, yes, this particular young girl was going to be murdered, but he had decided she's going to murder somebody, like the guy in the UK. You know, so they're not random, and not all of a sudden I saw somebody that felt like doing this because that's not men's reality. They just don't do it. They just don't operate in this world. I think most men try and get through their life as best they can without bothering too many people on the way. And, you know, so we just have to be careful, I think, even with the language and not turn into victim blaming that she shouldn't have happened to her because it was during the day. Does that mean if somebody was raped and murdered during the night, that's their fault? I'm not saying people think this, but we just need to look at how we're phrasing things. Okay. Now, a number of our listeners are saying we need tougher sentences. I mean, people are looking for the death penalty to come back, but tougher, do we need tougher sentences? Oh, well, sentences now to me are a joke and the bail laws, you know, that somebody's out on bail, you know, after committing so many crimes, violent crimes, and then they're out on bail. And the sentencing in Ireland is just really horrific, like for a really severe, what they might call really bad rape you might get seven years and then you're out in five I mean the sentencing are appalling it's it really is. The sentencing in Ireland is very low. Yeah, because well, I know, Jay, we have the Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, uh, coming out. I mean, maybe that's something that uh, she can actually work on. OK, so you're asking people if they're in and around the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork, if they want to drop in any candles and you're going to light Absolutely. the candles on the steps yeah, from if, half if four. if they can't make it at half four, that we light them for them. Well done, well done. Listen, okay. Mary, thank you for that and uh, okay. stay safe. That is Mary Criddy of the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork. Let me go from... Cork City to Clonakilty, where Yvonne Ryan joins me from the Clonakilty Ladies Football Club and what they're doing this evening. Good morning to you, Yvonne. Good morning, Patricia. How are uh, you? Not too bad. I take it like the rest of the country. Shocked. I'm. We're just we're sick to the pit of our stomach. We really are. You know, to think a young innocent girl can go in out after school for a run, and I suppose it really hit home and resonates with us because I'm chairperson of the Ladies Football. And we're starting our pre-season training. You know, girls are out running. And, you know, only the other night I was out walking and I met the mayor of Planicity, Anthony McDermott. And he says, aren't we so lucky to have this walkway in town around the bypass? And I said, God, we are. And then you, you think this girl was out in daylight at four o'clock, you know, where we would have our bypasses lit up and everything in the evening. And, like, all our girls at the minute are out starting their running, their pre-season and... It's just so... And that's what her parents said she was doing because she she played camogie with the local team and they were just going back training and she was trying to get her fitness up. And and that's what a lot of girls are because they obviously haven't done anything, you know, for the last couple of months. We've done COVID and Christmas. So, you know, the girls are back out getting a bit of their fitness and whatever up and running and it just resonates. So I just said, look, we have to do something. But I was just speaking to Anthony McDermott, um, the mayor of Clannacilty. Mm. So he sa- said, look, it is, we're running one tonight or a silent vigil at 8pm in Emmett Square and everybody is to bring a candle. It's at 8 o'clock for 15 minutes. Okay. And he just said, would you please, you know, ring the radio, put it out there. You know, you have, we have like 250, 200 girls in our ladies football club. All yeah, and, and it's and I guarantee you, it's all any of them are talking about today. Yeah, yeah. I you, we can't stop thinking, and I suppose the fact that we all woke up this morning thinking, you know, that they had somebody caught for it, and now there's somebody again at large. It's, it's it just makes things worse, I think, for girls and the security and everything. You know? Yeah, and there's that sense of there, but for the grace of God, go any exactly, of us. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, all right. Listen, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yvonne, thank oh. you for that and good luck with that vigil tonight. But thanks for joining You're us. You're very welcome.
Thank Good you, morning to you. Bye bye. bye. That is Yvonne Ryan of the Clonakilty Ladies uh, Football Club. And actually staying in Clonakilty, I got a text in, you know, when we were talking about having the conversation with uh, men and someone, uh, one of our male listeners had made the point that we need to go back to almost the age of chivalry and good manners and just teaching everybody, males and females, to respect each other, but in particular to try to teach respect for men to respect uh, females. Somebody uh, said, just to mention the Skullnabukali in Clonakilty, who run a weekly Gentleman of the Week competition. The boys are nominated for their good manners and gentlemanliness weekly. And each boy is encouraged to behave in a gentlemanly way throughout the school day and outside of the school. Well done to them. Isn't that fantastic? And that will, uh, hopefully they'll carry that with them when they leave the primary school in Clan and go up on into secondary school it just becomes a habit and it becomes a way of life for them to have good manners and to be little gentlemen well done well done to um, the school the school in the Bukali in Clannacilty who we were uh, who were with us actually at one of our outside broadcasts a number of uh, years ago their choir uh, joined us to uh, sing You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed just taking a quick look at some of your texts uh, coming in. Uh, Tim says, uh, hi Patricia, how sad about this lovely, lovely young t- teacher. Tim says, I think headsets should be banned as you can't hear anything with them when you're out walking or jogging. Well, it's, it's, I straight away think, Tim, why should young girls or women stop wearing headsets when they're out and about? If they want to go out and they want to jog and have music in their ears as, as they're doing it, why? Because you, what you what you're doing there, along with you'll hear lots of people talk about you know safety tips for women and they should use alarms and they should do this and they should do that. But is that just not putting all the focus on the victims? And and anyway, all of the precautions will only protect you to a certain point. So I don't know if I would go so far as to say that young girls should be banned from wearing headsets when they're going out and about so they can hear who's creeping up uh, behind them. And then someone else says, um, I have to say what most people won't say, but the media should be ashamed of themselves saying yesterday that this was a random attack. How does anybody know that? They ran with the story that it was a 40-year-old non-national not known to her. I'm not confident in our system that the perpetrator will be caught especially as they held this innocent man for questioning for so long Okay, and and listen the media I'm not here to defend the media in any way but in fairness when the story broke uh, yesterday it was the Gardaí who came out and said that they were only looking for one individual in relation to the attack and then they said that they had a 40 year old in custody who they were questioning so I mean the media didn't make that up that's what came from the Gardaí now subsequently they did DNA they had uh, DNA from the scene and they've completely ruled out that this man could not have been involved. Lots of people are saying bring hanging uh, back and a a different Tim says according to Primetime last night in Barry Cummins who has written many many books about missing and murdered women in Ireland. The man being questioned was out on bail awaiting trial for another alleged uh, assault however he's now been completely eliminated from the Garda investigation. He went through trauma and will go through more trauma every single day. I'm fearful says Tim that this could be another Kerry Babies story or another case like Sophie Tuscon Duplantier Okay, uh, Annette Nagel uh, joins me on the line from Mallow. Good morning to you, Annette. Good morning, Trish. How now, are you? I'm very well. You're um, organising a candlelit vigil for Ashleen Murphy uh, tonight. Uh, isn't it really hard to make sense of what is a senseless murder? Well, you see, that's it, Trish. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody will ever get their heads around it. 
certainly not just two days after and to think that that young girl was just teaching her little first class pupils on Wednesday it just it's just something you never get your head around and like uh, visuals are popping up everywhere which is fantastic because you know it just gives people an opportunity to come together and, and just show solidarity I suppose show support to her parents and because um, it's all anyone is talking it, about in this country yeah. This is it, because, I mean, there, there's nothing, what else can you do? I mean, everybody feels so helpless thinking of that poor girl and her family. I mean, it just it just beggars belief what they're going through and what poor Ashling went through. And so a vigil is just a way of, of basically, I suppose, just trying to help in, in some way. Yeah, and, you know? and, and to remember her and for us all to remember her name. But doesn't yeah. it very much bring into focus, Annette, the fact that we as women... Don't feel safe when we're we when we're out alone. We don't, Trish. And um, I mean, as you know, I have a twenty-two-year-old daughter myself, and she's her, oh no, the dogs are after going up the door. Sorry. Um, yeah. So, and she she predominantly lives in Cork City, and uh, she has showed me this thing that she carries. Uh, it's attached to her keys, and it looks like two cat's eyes and uh, cat's ears. Now, it's a metal object, okay, and it's hollow. So she puts her fingers through what would be the cat's eyes yeah. so that the ears are sticking up through in, from the, in between her fingers so that it could be used, you know, basically as a weapon if she felt the need to. And she has that in her hand all the time when she's in court. But she shouldn't have to have that in her hand. No. And she shares a house with three other girls, Trish, and each one of them has something similar that they take with them when they are out and about. And as soon as that you know, day turns to dusk and they're in the city, that's, that's in their hands, primed, ready to go. So what do we do? How, how do we change this? What is the solution? <laughs> well, look, and I mean, I don't want to be the one that's coming down um, and slamming men because the predominant, the majority of them are just wonderful. But it's down to just, we have to change the behaviour of men. I'm sorry, but that's what it comes down to. Women have changed their behaviour progressively over the last 30, 40 years. And and this is what's happened. This is what it comes down to. Our daughters now walk the streets with a weapon in their hands should they need to use it to protect themselves. So it's not women. It's not women that are at fault here. It's men. It's the men's behaviour. And yeah. it has to start earlier. It has to start in the home where, you know, women feel safe in their home, the men that are in their home treat them with respect so that when they go out onto the streets, the women demand respect and if the men doesn't, if a man doesn't provide respect, then they're friends, they're mates, they're family. They should be calling them out and saying, no, that behaviour is not good enough. You don't treat a woman like that or a girl, whichever, you know. Yeah, somebody and, earlier says, you know, the, the age of chivalry is gone and oh, back, to, back to basics in, in teaching people and, basic and, you know, manners. And that's the thing, though, Trish, that's not a, certainly not a fair statement either because there are some fantastic men yeah, out there yeah, yeah. who are chivalrous to the day they die. And, you know, and it's horrible because, they, you know, men in general are, have a bad name and, and it's not fair. But and we've mentioned, and I mentioned that earlier when I was when I was speaking with Mary Crilly, because Mary Crilly hates oh, that hashtag of, of not not all men. Um, yeah. and, and I made the point, like, it's not all men, but it's you nearly know. always a man. That commits oh, the murder. It, it is, and that's and that's the reality of it. You know, I mean that that there, there's no talking, they're talking about that because they are the facts. It is always the men. 
Sometimes they're known to the women, sometimes they're not. But that's the reality of it. So it is about men's behaviour. And it's about the man sitting on the bar stool later on this evening and he's made shows in the picture of, or a video of a girl and said, oh, look, I saw this one walking down the street or this is the girl I was with last night. What do you think? That has to stop. That sort of behaviour has to become completely unacceptable to any man. But they do not allow their friend, their brother, share that type of information, show it to them and say, oh, yeah, ha, ha, she looks great or whatever. That stopped. Women are not objects. You know, we have, the women have to be able to walk the streets, feel respected and feel safe. Yeah, because a man can today decide at any time of the hour of the day or night can decide to go out for a jog where as a yeah. woman is going to have to decide what time of the day it is, yeah. uh, what yeah. route am I going to take? What route am I going to take? Uh, did I take that lighting? route? Did I take yeah. that route the other day? Maybe I need to go on a different route. Or is yeah. that woman I can't on the... go the same route yeah. every day because if I do, I could be watched. Somebody could see me and I... know that I pass here at four o'clock every day. Or that woman last night saying when she's running down the road and if she sees a man in the distance, she crosses the road. Yeah. Like we shouldn't, we shouldn't have to do that. Stay there. I want to go to Bear Island uh, where Eileen joins us. Morning to you, Eileen. Morning, Patricia. Uh, you, Morning, what's, Eileen. What's your thoughts on this? Well, my thoughts, I'm thinking about Ashling's family. You see, I think, you know, we're all up in arms about this crime now. We are. And, and you know, everyone's doing vigils and everything. But what about in the weeks to come? We all get on with our lives, but they have a life sentence. That is a life sentence for that girl's family and for all those families. You see, we go back to our normal everyday lives and that's what, what they are sentenced already to a life sentence. And we seem to forget that, you know. And you, uh, I think myself that the justice system in this country is archaic. And until that changes mm-hmm. and people are given life sentences that mean life, then nothing is ever going to change. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Ali, yeah, and I mean... And it I isn't because these, the, that girl's family, can you imagine? Oh, no, I no. can't even begin to imagine what they're no, going it's, to do. And you're I mean, right, we've it's completely... We've seen it before, we've seen all this before, you see. And mm-hmm. then it happens again, and we all come out, and we're all up in arms over it, and, you know. and, and But at the end of the day, our lives go on. Well, I mentioned the Sarah Everett uh, case, the one that happened in in London where that young, she was 33, wasn't she? And she was murdered uh, walking home. And the jokes that were made about that cop that killed her, that they they used to jokingly say, you know, that he that he was known as as the rapist. But he's going to serve life in prison and will will never come out. I mean, but that wouldn't wouldn't, you you, you, that wouldn't happen here. That wouldn't happen here going to happen in this country and until our politicians do some soul searching and get up off their backsides and do something about the justice system you know it's ironic our justice minister is a woman yeah, yeah. and she was interviewed more. yesterday as well about it and saying well, yeah, and she that the full rigour of the law would be brought down on him but, but there's still nothing done you see that's right. what annoys me there is nothing done and there is nothing done for the families of these victims and you see that's what it is you see it's the families and it's the people that are left behind they get no justice whatsoever and they have that family will have to sit in court now when the perpetrator is arrested they'll have to sit in court and go through the whole details of what happened their mm. child and that's a very difficult thing. That's a very difficult you know? thing. Okay, and there I, is no justice. It's, yeah. it's just, it's just and, and another thing, like, why should women, you know, 
why should women have to take responsibility for preventing male violence? I mean, yep. it's on women's conduct. It's, you know, how you conduct yourself, what you wear. Why should that... Like, yeah. I don't know why that should be, you know... <laughs> why should women be held responsible for their conduct? Yeah, and as one of, our, one of our listeners said, I'm exhausted from it. I have to be on high alert all the time. Mm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm paranoid with worry. It is no yeah. way uh, to live a life. Uh, listen, thank, I, thank you for I that, Eileen. Um, uh, thank you for that. Um, Annette, go back to your what you've planned for this evening. Yeah, so Trish, we're going to meet in the little car park. The walk is going to start at 7 o'clock. There'll be no delays there. Um, we're going to walk along the park road um, up beyond Dairy Gold and up into the west end of Mallow. Um, we're going to pause outside St. Mary's Church where people are feel free to leave their candles, their tea lights or whatever along the wall of St. Mary's Church and we'll continue our vigil then to end back down at the entrance to Little again. Okay, and obviously as we're saying to everybody attending in these vigils, social oh, distancing, wear your mask. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the same. Um, I've been on to the guards for public safety. I just contacted them yesterday evening to make sure it was okay. Um, they will be there to make sure that we, you know, exit and, and um, enter from Little safely. And they have asked people to stay predominantly on the footpaths, you know, okay. just to make sure everybody is safe because it is dark and we need to be careful. So everybody just please take personal responsibility for yourself tonight for your own safety. And the same when you're carrying a candle and so on. And I've also been on to the council and uh, Council Tony O'Shea in Farrington. Um, he's made sure that the council are going to monitor the wall at St. Mary's and the candles will be removed when okay. and this, tomorrow morning. And, and for that, all you know. of these uh, vigils, while the majority of them uh, do appear to be organised by uh, females, they're for men and women? Of course, yeah. absolutely. And the event, uh, I created an event on Facebook yesterday evening and um, uh, there's about 100 um, are said they're probably going to go. And, you know, the, there is about a 50-50 split of men and women. And women. Obviously, good, men good. are, of course, extremely welcome because they are as, as bereft as everybody else with what's going on, you know, okay. so of course. All right, well, well, know, well done, again, well done. And is it, is it, by the way, I know you mentioned your own uh, daughter, but yes. amongst your female friends, w- would you be fearful of going out alone? Is it something that you discuss? It, absolutely, it, yeah. absolutely. And I mean, even uh, like I would often take the dogs up the mountain now or something like that, you know, when I feel able to do the walk. And like my daughter gave out to me one day because I went off and did the walk and she said, did you tell anybody where you were? And I said, well, no. And she was like, for God's sake, mom, you know, and and she was right. I mean, we, we actually cannot just go off for a walk without telling somebody where we're going if we're off the beaten track. And that's how you the know? younger, the younger women. And that's what she said to me. And this is yeah. about four years ago, Trish, yeah. you know. She was yeah. like, Mom, you can't just take off and not tell somebody where you are. And I was like, Asher, I had the dogs with me. And she just looked at me. She was completely aghast. She was like, are you really that stupid? You know? And she was right. She was totally right. Okay, you know? Annette, listen, well done for organising the event uh, this not evening. Better. And look after yourself and stay safe. Oh, indeed. And you're Thanks a million. Bye bye. Um, Anne says, hi, Patricia. You were speaking with Mary Quinney from the Sexual Violence Centre uh, in the last hour. I was. Um, I'm wondering where it is because she's asking for people to drop off candles and they're going to put them on the steps. It's on Candom Quay uh, is where it is. And uh, she, they're trying to gather up as many candles as they can and they'll be lighting them from half past four uh, today. Such So shocking to hear about the murder of that uh, lovely uh, girl I uh, hope the perpetrator is caught he should be put down there's so many people calling for the death penalty it's uh, unreal I don't think I've ever seen a case that has sparked that sort of reaction from so many people text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs 
Alps in Mill Street, they're looking for general operatives. Application forms are available from info at alps.ie or call 029 30677. Construction workers are wanted for a construction project that's in Mitchellstown CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. Carpenters and skilled workers are wanted for Bandon. Email info at bigmantinyhomes.ie. And a person is required for office administrator in the Kilbritton area. Good knowledge of Microsoft Word and Excel is necessary. CVs to accounts at cronanelectrical.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And I want to bring you a vox pop that was done in Tullamore and the reaction of the people in Tullamore. But just to get to some of your texts uh, in, uh, somebody says, what about men? And this is, is, is a man, uh, Richard. What about men? who love to walk our dogs in the parks and along green ways and we were brought up to totally respect people. I for one won't be taking my dog out for a walk in any of these places till all of this dies down. Every woman I pass or who passes us may be thinking is he a rapist or uh, worse. Uh, no thank you um, says uh, Dick. He's just too fearful now that every man is going to get tired with the one brush. And someone else is saying uh, Patricia just saying listening to your last caller there after that Annette I would just like to say that not all men are bad and yeah and listen I don't in any way want I mean we because we mentioned that earlier this isn't about that all men are, are doing it and there was that Twitter handle that was doing the rounds not all men uh, and that's not what we're saying I mean but the point that we're making is it isn't all men but unfortunately it it's always a man that's involved in these murders and that's what we need to call out and that's what we need to do uh, something about Hi Patricia if anything hopefully the murder of Ashleen Murphy will bring more focus into such heinous crimes and get our legislators and judges to wake up how low we have gone as a society where there seems to be very little deterrent for such crimes of murder and serious assault. Last week we saw a judge leave two guys out on bail where a girl may lose her eyesight as a result of being assaulted by one of those two Gurriers is the word that's used. That was that shocking case in Dublin. Do you know that girl who, and they think she's going to lose uh, her eye. Uh, in order to stamp out, mur- and they were, the, um, the sisters, right, they were left out on bail. In order to stamp out murders like this and, and serious assaults, the time has come to bring back corporal punishment and include it in the sentence for those found guilty of such heinous crimes. If this was brought back, such culprits might think twice about their actions. Christie says, I know a person who would willingly carry out corporal punishment for free in some instance. And that's from uh, Christy texting us from uh, Temple Glanton. Thank you for your uh, WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. OK, here's just a little bit of reaction from some people in Tullamore yesterday. She was just such a outgoing, happy girl. Like she had a smile on her face. She'd always say hello to you. So helpful. I remember training with her in school and she'd come in with the hurl and she'd be beating the legs off you. She'd be great crack, like, you know, she was a great mentor um, on and off the field. She was just so nice. I don't think you could say a bad word about her. I don't know, just everyone's in shock, like. What do you say about it, you know? It's just shocking, like, you know, it's just, you know, just a thought that it's just happened there on your doorstep. It's, 
you know, we were all thinking that the area was safe and, you know, it's just proof that it can happen anywhere. I do not go out after six o'clock because I feel so unsafe. I feel so threatened. Even walking here, I don't feel safe. Pretty unfair. Yeah, I think something needs to be done about it. In the evening, the evening as soon as it starts getting dark, so you know you rather travel in pairs or... Or if not, we have our location settings on so we know where each other are. Technology makes it easier, but it's not. That canal line is just, everybody uses it. It's just incredible that somebody could do something to a young woman like that, or to anybody. The town is numb. It's an understatement. I've just come out of the town. People actually cannot believe it. My mum had only walked it yesterday morning. Uh, I walk it every evening with the dogs. Um, so it's just, it's really, really heartbreaking. We, we just can't get our heads around it at all. That was just some of the local people in Tullamore. I mean, dreadful. It's just, I mean, what the rest of the country, we're all in shock. But to be living in the area uh, must be really, really difficult. Lima in Brough says uh, Ireland should introduce some type of femicide law that any crime against a woman needs to be dealt with in a very serious matter that this should and there should be a punishment for life. We're too relaxed regarding our justice system at the moment. Yeah, and life. If somebody gets life imprisonment, does life mean life? Peter Imbandon uh, is, says that the Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil record on crime is pathetic. How many murders have we had under so many governments in this country? Justice needs to be changed. Well, I had the figures earlier from Women's Aid. 244 women have been murdered since... 1996 and I think the stats were 13% was by somebody they knew uh, no, 13% was by total strangers and 87% was by somebody they actually knew some of your texts in Hi Patricia all young girls should be taught karate self-defence at a very young age I think it should be taught in national school again we're putting the onus back on the victims but it's yeah but I suppose if you could teach Self-defence, is, is that the way uh, to go? Uh, Mary then was kind of annoyed listening to Annette, says, uh, does Annette expect men to be at her walk after the message she's put out now on the radio? It could have been a woman yesterday dressed up as a man. Give it a rest and give the guards a chance today to get to the bottom of this. Men and women are equal in this uh, jigsaw. Just pray for this lovely girl's uh, family. But again, we're back to the issue, Mary, that in the, the all of the cases of the women that have been murdered in this country, they have been murdered by a man. They haven't been murdered by a woman dressed up as a man. Hi, Patricia. Prevention is better than cure. People should be watching out for his, uh, each other. We need to go back to the days of the really good community alert and neighbourhood watch as we all need to. And that's men looking out for women and women looking out for men and everybody looking out for each other. Meg says, hi, Patricia. I've got a gadget that you pull a cord and it gives out a shrill sound to alert if you are in trouble. So many women, when they go out for walks, having to having to do that, having to bring some kind of gadget or device 
to protect them and that's what this discussion is about we shouldn't have to ha- we shouldn't need to have to do that but unfortunately it's the reality Liz says so much violence on TV and in films etc nobody is controlling it Michael and Bantry says Patricia I was at the Aintree Grand National a number of years ago I don't drink but I was watching lots of groups of people who were drinking I used to go back to the same place to watch the races to my horror one of the girls had drank too much and was left lying on the ground I thought it was absolutely shocking I don't know what your what your insinuation by that was that her friends went off and left her was it or that she was putting herself in danger I'm not quite sure what your, your point is on uh, that one and hi Patricia there are no words that can describe the horror, the shock and the devastation that the murder of Ashley Murphy has caused in this country. To her parents and to her siblings, my heartfelt sympathies go out to them, to her school, her community and all her friends. She will never, ever be forgotten. Such a dark day for all of us to think that for one minute, if any lady goes out for a walk or a jog on their own, they simply might not come back home. It's a very, very sad state of affairs. In an effort to try to stop this happening, I would be calling on Minister Helen McEntee, our Minister for Justice, to introduce the death penalty for such offences. To me, it's the only answer to stop this. Forget about your life sentences. They are a pure waste of time. This is like putting them in a hotel for the rest of their lives. The deterrent has to be there. Otherwise, we will see murders on the increase. And that's from and Michael in Castletown Bear. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Michael. And can I say you're not on your own? The amount of people that are saying that is, is corporal punishment. Do we need to bring back in corporate punishment? But a lot of others are saying as well about the actual sentence of life. Life doesn't. We know life doesn't mean life in this country. And even to hear Mary Crilly talk about, you know, she would be in court with a lot of people, a lot of rape victims. And even when somebody is convicted of, you know, very serious, heinous uh, rape cases. And she said, you know, to see them getting, you know, maybe the maximum might be seven years. She's saying our whole sentencing. And maybe, maybe that's what will come out of Ashley's death, that we'll just take a look at the whole justice system. And then we'll continue to have that wider societal conversation that needs to be had about how do we make our societies, how do we make our communities safe for all women and for all men, but in particular to make it safe for women. Uh, your thoughts are welcomed to 0818 103 103. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now I will get back to it because I can still see so many texts and uh, comments coming in and the outpouring after the shocking killing of uh, Ashley Murphy. And I will get back to them, but I want to move to a different topic because. Uh, It was this day last week saw the publication of the feeder school tables to third level institutions which once again highlighted that fee paying schools continue to dominate entry to college. Cork East Fianna Fáil Deputy James O'Connor wonders if the time has come to end publishing these feeder tables and James joins me with more on this. Uh, Good morning to you James. Uh, good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Do you believe these tables do not tell the full story of the work done in Irish schools? Yes. Uh, you know, I have an issue uh, with these tables. As somebody who grew up in a community uh, that went to a community school, uh, you know, that might not necessarily have had access to uh, private education, uh, I think every year uh, we have this cycle of a publication of the feeder schools list uh, in the Republic of Ireland. It's extraordinarily strange 
lot of countries this does not happen, but we have it here. And there seems to be a degree of pumped up um, publicity and press around which schools uh, perform better than others when looking at the number of students that go on to university. But the point I want to make is I don't think it's reflective of the quality of young people uh, that we need to go into different skill sets and different areas in this country. Something we saw, Patricia, over the course of the last 10 years, there's been, unfortunately, a dramatic reduction in the number of young people going forward to do uh, apprenticeships, particularly in the area of construction. We will need tens of thousands of workers to build houses that are needed for people. And there's been a dramatic reduction in the level of apprenticeships in that area. And, and we have we have an additional, if I can chip in there, we have an additional problem there in that the number of Eastern European tradespeople who were living and working in this country, many of them because of the pandemic went home. Conditions have improved in their own countries since they initially came here and many of them haven't come back. Exactly. And, and the metric for success uh, that is perceived in so many facets of the media, and I think this is wrong, is that it's analysing how many students from any particular school are going into university. Uh, in some areas of the country, it's extraordinarily high. In our own constituency in Corkies, it's much more uh, broken down in terms of people going forward for the area of uh, apprenticeships for those that are perhaps uh, taking further time to consider what they wish to do. Uh, and the point I want to make is I don't think it's reflective uh, of a metric of success for how good or bad schools are. I'd argue I did fine of an education in community school as any other person would have had in the country uh, that had access to more what is deemed privileged schools. And I think from the media's point of view, uh, you know, it's not right. Uh, it's not putting the focus on the area that we need focus on at the moment. And we are crying out for so many people to, to go into trades that would have been more popular 10 and 15 years ago. That in, perhaps in many instances actually pay higher salaries yeah, than what yeah, university yeah. costs. Absolutely, pay, absolutely. Pay, you know? And the one thing about this information, uh, James, and, and no doubt you'd agree, it shows the gap between schools in disadvantaged areas and the fee paying ones. It certainly does. Uh, and that also is something I'm not overly comfortable with. You know, any child goes into school, they should be given the full equal opportunity uh, to access an excellent education. We have so many fine, fine schools in the constituency of Corkies. They've been very lucky to get to know all of the principals um, across the constituency since my election to the Dáil. Uh, and, you know, whether it's work in community work or whether it's to do with the academic work of the schools, you know, they are doing their level best. The teachers are doing their level best and the students are trying hard as well. But I think it's a bit disheartening uh, when, you know, this, this, this is published every mm. year, particularly in towns where you could have more than one school creates, I think, a degree of competition and something that feeds in perhaps sometimes to, to, to choices that parents may make. And do you think it does, James? Do you, do, you, do you think parents whose children, say, are in fifth or sixth class now would have got a copy of one of the newspapers last week that published the feeder list and may make a decision based on, oh, last year, so many hundred, like in some cases, 100% of the pupils went to on to third level and when you go down the end of the list you could have schools as low as 27% only went on to third level. Do you think that influences some parents? You know, given the fact that every year there seems to be this major focus on it by a lot of major national publications such as the Irish Times and Independent, you know, I think that gives an insight into the fact that there obviously is a very large degree of traffic being driven um, uh, towards these types of articles. 
Uh, and I think that's why we have the system every year. And it's been driven on by the State Examinations Commission because they publish the data on each individual school. Uh, and, and perhaps, you know, a, a short of a window that, that actually generates a degree of, of need for frenzy around it as well. And I, think, I don't think that's necessarily helpful to schools. It's not often reflective of how successful the children go on to be, you know, and what is the metric for that success. And at the moment, when looking at the national media, it only seems to be focusing on how many children went to university. And I think that is absolutely wrong. And it's something that we have to have a look at in this country because particularly around the area of apprenticeships, I think that's something that governments need to put a strong degree of focus on to bolster the the level of academic qualification that the apprenticeship is considered to be perhaps tying in with third-level uh, areas around our, our wonderful technical universities, our universities as well, in terms of certification. This is actually done in Germany. Uh, it's been very successful. But this all comes down to the original point I was making. We have seen a colossal drop in the number of people going far for apprenticeships in Ireland, and we desperately need them to deal with the housing crisis you know, other areas, whether it's to do with electrical engineering and engineering apprenticeships as well, you know, there are also areas that are quite problematic and the figure, figures are quite staggering. And mm. the apprenticeship levels have gone from 3,000, around 4,000 per year, down now to around 1,200. And that just gives you an indication across a multitude of industries. Do you know the one thing I noticed when um, I, I mean, and every year because we get the, well, I mean, we get so many newspapers here into work, and I always look at uh, the feeder schools. Now, I never, I would never, ever, ever on air reference a particular school and say, "Wasn't it great? Such and such a school in our area got a hundred percent of their pupils into third level." But I read with interest the difference, particularly in the Desh schools, and how well they did with the calculated grades leaving search, and they got a big bounce to college entry. I mean, we can learn from that, can't we? Certainly. And, you know, the dish schools are absolutely fantastic. The programs that are in place with them uh, and also the, in, in terms of the children's quality of education within them, there is a surprising level of additional support, whether it's for children with special needs, for other uh, facilities within the school. I know that often we hear about problems within education, but the dish program and generally uh, it's been very, 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 very successful in Ireland. Uh, and something that is also quite good news as well, Patricia, is that the Department of Education at the moment are undertaking a major review around the whole hot school meal program and analysing which areas that may have been actually left out of that program uh, and that could be built in. And uh, I just want to say that there are a number of areas within our own constituency that are currently under examination with that, uh, particularly uh, Eol and Mallow at the moment as well. And that's something that is quite exciting to see the department are making progress on because I think that would be, uh, you know, another facet of, of, of improving uh, the educational system is making sure every child can start the morning uh, uh, equally, uh, you know, having access to, to, to the hot school being program as well. Okay. Uh, and that's something I'm doing a degree of work on at this time. Okay. And, um, and for, for Irish families, I mean, we have, you know, a renowned appetite for education and, that, you know, there's something great uh, about that. But really now what we need to start doing, we need to focus on the fact that higher education isn't the only yardstick by which an education achievement can be measured. I mean, that's what we really need to start pushing. Absolutely, uh, and particularly the point that the metrics of success in education, uh, as, as often described within media, is not about the top 10 schools in terms of who went on to university or not. I think it has to be more broad scope. I think to look at the demands that are on the economy and how schools are providing 
as skilled workers going into the future. And I think we should retrospectively look at this. It shouldn't be a case of looking at what every student did uh, the day after their leaving certificate, what college they chose to go to to the CRO. Uh, it should be based on a more broad-based broad data if they are going to do it. And I think the State Examination Commission should examine that. And has to be worth mentioning, it's been such a difficult uh, number of years for secondary school students. I'm inundated with emails um, from, from, from examination students over the course of the last two years. I suppose expressing their deep frustration and worry around state exams, uh, and, and that has to be bear in mind. So, if any years for, to be, for this to be published as it was last year and or last week, uh, I, I don't think it's, it's fair on the students or on the Do you think this year's this year's class, the the class of twenty twenty, who are going into sit their leaving cert, they are almost feeling that they're at a disadvantage already because many of the well not many some of the pupils from last year who there's the feeling they got inflated grades because it was calculated grades some of those deferred college places that even their class of 2020 are really going to be up against it on the points race It's very very difficult and I found that in speaking to parents that if they had a child that was very very academically capable in terms of, of, of exams that they were sitting that some actually would have preferred from, from, from parents and students that have engaged with me to assist uh, in leaving start examination without the predicted grades. Uh, but I also found as well that there were uh, many, many calls from, from so many parents uh, that were, were inquiring uh, and making reference to our office that they want to see predicted grades. That's, happening this that's year. not going to happen, that's though. To grow. I, I think that it's going to become increasing for the Department of Education um, to look at this issue uh, you know, if, if they're to be the goal, and the question is, I think there has to be a fair analysis done. Is that has the curriculum that has been taught uh, for this for a two-year period, the fifth year? Uh, you know, has that had any impact by COVID nineteen? And the yeah. honest truth is that it has. Something I'm conscious of colleagues of mine have been making representations to the Minister for Education in that okay. area. Okay, so but but I did I did. I did read a piece that one of the reasons that they can't do predictive grades this year, some of the Leaving Cert class would not have sat a junior cert two years ago, the ones that skipped transition year. And in order to do the calculated grades, they go back on the results from the junior cert and they won't be able to do that for a cohort of the students who didn't sit a junior cert last year because there wasn't one two years ago. That is correct. Uh, and I suppose that feeds into the algorithm system for yeah. the examination. Uh, if, if this was going to happen this year, the algorithm system would have to change. Obviously, yeah, okay. that was problematic originally. Okay, maybe they, uh, maybe, they, maybe they could change it. Okay, just very finally, when we touched on uh, private schools, how do you feel about public funding going into private schools when they, these private schools are at the top of this feeder list? I think it's definitely an area that, that's worth having a conversation on. You know, private schools in general, if you look around our own constituency, you know, we, we, we only we only have, have, have one. Um, you know, other areas, they would have a, a strong focus on them. Across South, South County Dublin, there's an enormous level of them. Uh, and I do think that, you know, there's a lot of factors. You know, you, have, you can have fee-paying schools that charge very large amounts of money. You have other ones that charge, uh, you know, a fraction of what the larger scale... Uh, uh, the larger scale of fee-paying schools would be, uh, uh, you know, the ones in Dublin can, can come up to approximately in and around twelve to 20,000, depending on which school. And I don't think it's fair to look at, at schools that are perhaps charging in, in between 3,500 to 5,000 in the same scope as it is on the higher levels. But it is something that does deserve a degree of examination to see if the system is fair. Okay. Uh, and it's important as well um, that, 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 you know, that every school, and no matter 
matter what area, what community or, or economic uh, situation, the ground in that area is is treated with a degree of fairness. Uh, could I just say one thing, Patricia, before I go? I was listening uh, to many of the comments on, on, on the death of, of Ashling, and, and I just want to say, as somebody that's a uh, trained, trained fiddle player, played with Kyoto for a long time and would have been in a lot of the flags, uh, where Ashley would have participated at. Uh, you know, I, I, I paid a lump in my throat over the fact that the killer has not been found and my deepest sympathies to Ashley. I think it was horrific what had happened and uh, I think it's heartbreaking in our thoughts and prayers that we Ashley. Well said, in. well said. Okay, we leave it there, James. Thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us. That no is uh, Cork East uh, Door Deputy James O'Connor. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some reaction to my interview in the last hour with uh, Deputy uh, James O'Connor who was talking about the feeder schools that it's published once a year it was for this year it was published last Friday a lot of the main broadsheets uh, publish it and it shows the feeder schools shows all the schools around the country and they do it county by county so it's very easy to take a look at your county take a look at your town take a look at the schools and how the leaving cert class of the previous two years did and how many of them went to college and it shows the breakdown of who went to which colleges as well and of course normally always top of all of those feeder lists it's the private schools and in many cases 100% of the pupils went on to third level education it's not all private schools so there are are ordinary public schools as well where people went on to third level education but it really shows the divide between between say schools in desh schools or schools in underprivileged areas they don't unfortunately send as many kids on to third level education and James is making the the point that this is very elitist that we do this and that we set out these tables every year and that surely it needs to it needs to stop and I, I don't know what were you if you had a son or daughter going making that transition from primary school to secondary school did you look in the years leading up to you making your decision particularly on towns that has more than one secondary school did you look at those feeder schools and did it influence you in your decision of what secondary school you sent your son or daughter to I would be interested to hear from people but then James we broadened out the chat with James about apprenticeships and how important apprenticeships are and in fairness to Roisin Kelleher our career guidance expert every single time but we do features with you know it's normally to do with CAO and offers and leaving certain the leaving cert results and all of that Roisin Kelleher is at pains to point out how important apprenticeships are and how many really good apprenticeships are out there and in many cases you can go on and do an apprenticeship and qualify after a number of years however many years your particular apprenticeship takes and you can end up coming out earning a lot more than somebody who say in your class went off into third level got a degree and went off into the workplace the apprenticeships and they are we know particularly to do with the construction uh, over the next number of years we, we have a we have a problem at the moment but certainly going forward we're going to need more of the plumbers and the electricians and uh, all of the different trades for within within building on top of all of your quantities of airs and all of that we're going to need a lot of apprenticeships but a listener was listening to us talking about apprenticeships said I would love to have done an apprenticeship but the ones I was interested in I couldn't do due to colour blindness so I ended up having no choice but to go on to college or was the dole queue for me. So telling people to get over the stigma of apprenticeships is not good in my uh, case. Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know what the percentage of people who are colour blind, but that absolutely does affect people when they're going for a particular type of apprentice. Hi, Patricia. Totally agree with Deputy James O'Connor on your programme today. We have a family member with dyslexia. 
this family member was put into a private school and did very well considering that they had dys- dyslexia but they're now doing an apprenticeship. Well the comments from some family members when they heard that this particular person was going on to college was going on to private schools. What a waste of money paying for an education. Uh, that is such an ignorant attitude to have. Absolutely thank you for highlighting uh, this topic and remember dyslexia has got nothing to do with intelligence uh, level and hope your family member is doing well uh, in his or her apprenticeship. Okay, still getting in an amount of texts and commentary about the killing of Ashleen Murphy and various candlelit vigils that are taking place. We might see before the close of the programme if I can run down through the ones that I have details on. Uh, hi, there is a candlelit vigil being held in Carriganima village this evening at 6pm in memory of Ashleen and to show support to her family and uh, friends. They're asking people if you could be there please before 6pm so that the vigil can start at 6pm. And they're suggesting that people bring battery light candles with them and little uh, tea lights or you can use the lights on your phone. Yeah, we all have lights now on our phones. And uh, this texter says, uh, may Ashleen rest in peace. Thank you for that. So that's Carrie tonight at 6pm. Hi Patricia, I agree with Mike, one of your previous list texters, listeners to the programme, 100%. This is to do with life sentences and what happens to people when they go to jail. Life sentences are ridiculous and jail is a luxury for many of these people. I walk my dogs all over the place and I do it in the evening time and sometimes my daughter will take the dogs out for me in the uh, evening when she gets home from work and now it's going to be a nerve wracking walk looking over your shoulder all of the time something definitely has to be done that is from Anne thanks for that Anne Dan says Patricia it is wake up time for the laws and the sentencing in this country Veronica Gearan's killer by all accounts according to Dan is playing pitch and put in Shelton Abbey which of course is an open prison to be joined soon by Rachel Callady's killer by the looks of things enough is enough says Dan death penalty for killing and proper long sentences for serious crimes. We need to end this reduction for good behaviour in prison, says Dan. Would others agree with that? For certain crimes, that the ending of, and we do know that people get, you can get about a third off your sentence, can't you, for good uh, behaviour? And many prisoners are aware of that and then we'll get a third less than the original uh, sentence. Jean reckons medical castration should come in, says uh, Jean. And somebody else says, hi Patricia, I always walk alone in the Island Wood area of Newmarket. Do you know something, says this texture, I'd be afraid to do it now. I'm not female, I'm an older male. Yeah, it isn't just women that are afraid for sure. Thank you for that. Hi, Patricia. Two things I'd like to reflect on today. Everybody entering this country should be vetted and no previous conditions. Otherwise, they should be sent home. No bail also should be allowed to anyone with any kind of a previous conviction. I also feel that self-defence should be part of PE in all of our uh, schools. You're not the first to suggest that teaching karate or 
uh, taekwondo or judo or some kind of self-defence to uh, young people. But interesting on uh, people, and that's not in any way to say that the person who has committed Ashley's murder is uh, originally from a different country, but making the point that people who do enter this country, we have seen that in the past. It has been reflected in some of the court cases that some non-nationals, but remember some Irish people and probably more Irish people commit crimes in this country than non-nationals, but we do hear of some non-nationals who have committed crimes uh, so this listener is saying anyone who wants to enter this country to come in legally now we're talking about people who are legally entitled to come to this country that they should be vetted and if they have previous uh, convictions they should not be allowed they shouldn't be getting a visa would people agree with that and when I saw that comment come in I straight away thought about Australia because you can't get into Australia if you have any kind of a previous conviction and if you watch their border control programme they are so so strict about it and you'll see people being interviewed and somebody will have forgotten to have mentioned that they had a previous criminal conviction for something that may have happened many, many years previously and literally their visa is cancelled and once your visa is cancelled in Australia you're not allowed to reapply for another visa for three years and of course the Australian government we heard this early this morning have cancelled Novak Djokovic's visa doing it now for the second time it's the Immigration Minister Alex Hawke he said he's given it very careful consideration and all the information before arriving at the decision. Novak Djokovic is the world's number one tennis player at the moment and of course he's been waiting since a judge overturned the original verdict and that was overturned on Monday of this week and he knew that the Immigration Minister Alex Hawke uh, could use his own powers to reimpose the penalty so he's been waiting all week. And it was just before 6pm, which would have been 7am Irish time. So 6pm in Melbourne on Friday evening, 7am our time. The Immigration Minister released a statement saying he had made the judgment to send Novak Djokovic home. And he said he made it on health and good order grounds. Now a court hearing in front of the original judge uh, Anthony Kelly and I'm wondering with a name like Anthony Kelly is he of Irish extraction but anyway he overturned the original cancellation last Monday. That now has been very quickly convened for next Monday uh, evening and Nova Djokovic's legal team have revealed that they'll seek uh, the same outcome from the first meeting. Now although the reasons for Alex Hawke's decision has not yet been published Nova Djokovic's lawyer revealed that the central tenant was not the legality of the, exen- of the exemption. His threat to public order are concerns over his conduct, but the potential for exiting anti-vax sentiment on the basis of two statements he made in uh, 2020. Uh, his, Djokovic's lawyer would describe these conclusions as patently irrational. He's now pushing for the hearing to take place on Sunday and it's important that it takes place on Sunday because the Australian Open starts on Monday. The solicitor says we are where we are because of the time the Minister has taken. We are moving as fast as we can. Alex Haw Haw will not be pushed. Hawke will not push for Djokovic to be deported immediately. He will allow proceedings to come to a head um, or to be transferred to a different court because there had been talk this morning that would he be immediately deported but they're saying no, they will give him time to appeal. But will it be in time for him to start in the Australian Open next Monday and I know reaction, I have family members in, uh, who actually live in Melbourne in Australia and the reaction locally, everybody feeling that the Australian government has certainly done the right thing, they certainly do seem to have the majority of the people behind them.
0818-103-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Now, in view of the current rising numbers due to the Omicron variant and the interest of everybody's safety, Kildallery's drive-in bingo due to be held tonight. That has been cancelled. They'll let us know if it's back up and running next Friday. Moynabi Ladies Football Club, they're hosting their Let's Play Bingo event. Now, this is an online event and it will start at 8 o'clock tonight. Books can be purchased online up to about now. You need to get moving on it. Check out their Facebook and Twitter pages for details. And Mitchestown Haven Hub that's open every Saturday night from 7pm and for anyone who's feeling anyway lonely, isolated or in distress. And there's a closed collection at Gagin Hall tomorrow two weeks, Saturday the 29th of January from 10.30am to 12 noon. It's for drop-off of all unwanted men's, women's and children's clothing. You can also drop off shoes once they're in pairs. Belts, bags, sheets, duvet covers are accepted, curtains and towels. Now, they also would accept soft toys, but please, no plastic toys, no duvets and no pillows. And it's all in aid of the Gagin Hall Car Park Fund. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. At Lidl this week, twin packs of peppers are only 49 cent. If you're trying to eat healthier this year, they're the perfect way to add flavour and texture to a salad. If you couldn't care less about that, they're a fabulous way to add crunch to a big juicy burger. Whatever you're into, you can't argue with Lidl prices. Lidl, more for you. This week's Irish Farmer's Journal could save you thousands in cash. For more, here's Paul Mooney. Don't miss our 50 tax-saving tips for farmers inside this week's issue, including how much can family members earn in your farm tax-free, what reliefs are available when transferring farms, and how to make the most of tax exemptions. Plus, we have money-saving advice for household bills, banking, insurance, pensions, and more to make the most of your income. Don't miss our money-saving tips inside this week's Irish Farmer's Journal. You cannot afford to miss it. The fantastic January sale is now on at O'Flynn Interiors Mallow. O'Flynn Interiors want to make your dreams a reality with their latest bedding range from top brands from King Coil and O'Dearest. Sleep soundly on a new bed from O'Flynn Interiors with free delivery. Get the night's sleep you deserve. Thanks to O'Flynn Interiors Mallow. Fantastic January sale now on. Thinking of upgrading your car? Order your 221 Skoda now at E Tarrant and Sons. Finance from 0% on selected models. Eamon Tarrant and Sons are the number one choice for Skoda in Cork, offering a long and proud tradition of excellent customer care. With a large selection of both new and used cars, a visit to E Tarrant and Sons, your local Skoda dealer, Bantier, is a must. For more, call 029 56000 or see etarrant.ie. C103. Warming up your home this winter with new season curtains and bedding. View in store at Turner's Cross Retail Park or at harrycarry.com. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Okay, and just to catch up with some of your uh, comments uh, coming in, before I get to the comments, 
there was somebody had books there it is um, Anne in Bantry was on uh, to say she's a number of children's books she doesn't just want to pop them in for recycling she'd be willing to pass them on maybe to a creche or maybe there's a local school would be interested in them children are all gone or too old they've outgrown these books but they're all in very good condition and we have Anne's details so if that's of any interest anybody in the Bantry area can you make contact with us please and we'll put you in contact with Anne in uh, Bantry John in Dunman way back to or before we get back to there's a lot of texts and calls in about Ashley Murphy just a couple in on to do with uh, apprenticeships Jim and Femoy says Patricia nobody wants to do apprenticeships in the construction sector anymore because it's so unstable and mostly agencies will hire label label mostly agencies will hire labour they're not they're permanent jobs most people won't come back from abroad why the money is too good even though Jim if you look lately they've there's a huge there's a big increase in the payment to people working in construction because they can't get the workers so I think conditions may start to get better if they don't have access to a labour force and when we spoke about dyslexia in the last hour with regard to people going on to third level etc someone says to anybody maybe out there who has dyslexia or maybe you've got a son or daughter who's been diagnosed with dyslexia it's well worth reading Park Hotel Ken Mayer's John Brennan's book My Name is John he is dyslexic and it didn't hold him back from being successful I haven't read the book but I've actually heard him being interviewed about the book and he's an incredible story to tell about how difficult uh, the struggles he had with dyslexia and it certainly didn't it didn't in any way uh, hold him back now just on to back to some of your comments on the shocking killing of Ashley Murphy and people talking around the you know what people are shocked and devastated about what's happened to this gorgeous young woman people are saying how do we change society and how do we change the small proportion of men that get involved in violence against women or the small proportion of men who think it's okay to slag off women and to talk about women in a, in a disparaging way. Listen to this uh, comment in. This is kind of heartbreaking from one of our listeners. It says, please, please, please don't mention my name and I won't. But with regards to teaching our sons how to respect women, young girls that would be easy to do for us. How, sorry, let me reread that. How to teach our sons how to respect women and young girls. It should be an easy thing for us to do. Very good mums should have no problem at all in teaching their sons how to respect young girls and women. But what happens, says this te- texture, if you're in a house with a toxic dad in the family who thinks it's perfectly OK to talk about women with total disrespect even making a mockery out of those children's own mother. Then it is very, very hard to teach your son. My solution was to actually get rid of that toxic husband. I separated from him. But unfortunately, says this texter, I left it a little bit too late because my son, who is now 20, and it's almost embedded in him, how to disrespect women. Isn't that really sad? That is really sad. You've done the right thing for yourself, but yeah, shocking to think that it's ingrained in your son, but understandable, absolutely understandable if you lived with somebody who thinks it's okay to slag off your wife 
the mother of your children. And of course, monkey see, monkey do. That's all that the children grow up seeing. That is very, very sad indeed. Hopefully uh, your life is better now that you managed to get rid of that man out of your life. John in Dumamway says, what about the misfortunate that the guard they kept inside for 30 hours? It's turned out he's completely innocent. Is there anyone thinking of that man today? The Mayor of Cork County, Councillor Gillian Coughlin, has opened an online book of condolences uh, for the people of Cork County who would like to express their sympathies because we heard that Cork City Mayor is doing it as well. The book can be accessed online at www.corkcoco.ie. Thank you to Gillian for uh, that. The Thornish that was uh, speaking to reporters, and oh, this is just breaking in the last number of minutes, Thornish Leo Varadkar has said, Ireland has an epidemic of violence against women. It's not a shocking statement for a Thornister to have to make. He said men and boys have a responsibility to start to have a conversation about the factors that give rise to attitudes around violence against women. Well done to Leo Varadkar for coming out with that. Stephen says there is too much speculation on what has happened. Let the investigation take its due course. The man that has been released will be still spoken about locally in Tullamore but I'm sure there is so much on social media also about what has happened and actually that poor guy who know the guard they've completely ruled out the, John Paul was telling me there was pictures of him went up on Facebook yesterday so people were identifying him and obviously we didn't know him but locally people will know uh, who that man uh, is Ashley says while everybody is saying it's not all men yes that is true it's not but when I worked in a school even those at a young age the 16 to 18 year olds the way some of those guys talked about girls in our town she said is simply awful again not all of them but some and at that young age that will only get worse as they get older the way they were judging girls by the way they looked or they talk about the way if they'd kissed somebody the night before. This is what needs to change and parents will need to wise up about their children. Teachers can only do so much. So much. Parents need to lead on this. I would agree with Eileen on Bear Island who joined you earlier. People will have forgotten about this next week and hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, Tommy and Balancholic says, hearing people on about self-defence and teaching young girls self-defence. Yes, everybody should know some type of defence. But no matter if you're a man or a woman, if you come across somebody much bigger than you, and much heavier it'll prove difficult to overcome them and that's for both men and women I feel men need to call out their peers who talk about women in a derogatory fashion it's us as parents will have to lead this show example and teach our children particularly the young ones uh, coming up and Emer says listening to the comments no one is saying it is all men but look at the facts and look at the statistics the majority of cases where men where a man attacks a woman in some majority in all of the murder cases in this country it's been a man has killed uh, the woman so we do need to talk about this and men do need to change their attitudes especially about the way they talk about uh, women okay that's some of your texts and calls uh, coming in to us did I call that one out this is another uh, vigil just in I think I already mentioned but let me give another shout out in case I didn't because so many of them are coming in this is from uh, Jimmy in Carrigan there is a candlelit vigil 
been held in Carriganima village this evening, 6pm in memory of uh, Ashley. They're asking people to bring battery lights. And just on the list that we already have that we're compiling ourselves of vig- vigils going ahead, Commodore Hotel in Cove this evening, that's at 7. Canturk Park tonight, that's at 6pm. Silent Vigil... Today, half four, that's in Barry's Lane in Yall. For anybody interested in showing their solidarity, please bring a camera. McCroom, the town park, that's 6pm tonight. Clonakilty, 8 o'clock, Emmett Square. Silent vigil for 15 minutes. People again asked to bring a candle. Ballydehob Playground, that's going to be tomorrow afternoon, Saturday at four o'clock. There is a vigil for Ashleen at Mangala in Douglas. That's at seven tonight. Please bring a candle. Next Monday, there's one at Bridge Lane in Bandon. That's the outdoor seating area at the Fish Corner in memory of Ashleen. And as Annette Nagel told us about the one in Mallow, that's starting at Little Car Park on the Park Road. And that's at 7pm uh, this evening. As I say, that's just some. There's many, many more. And if people have details of any more, get it into us and we'll do our best to try to mention them for you. Just one final email in on the Ashleen Mur- Murphy uh, murder from Brendan. Says, Patricia, with regards to the awful murder of that young uh, teacher currently under investigation, on a more general note regarding bringing back the death penalty, which a lot of listeners are calling for on the programme today, this will never happen for very good reasons. Firstly, it would breach EU law. But secondly, it would possibly lead to miscarriages of justice in that guilty suspects could be acquitted as many jurors would never find a defendant guilty if a death sentence was to be passed on moral grounds. The best that could be hoped for would be a manslaughter conviction. Many jurors would never convict as they couldn't live with the knowledge that they may have contributed to somebody's judicial execution, which I hadn't. That's another, besides the EU law one, that is another side, uh, how people would feel if you were on a jury, regardless of the evidence presented before you, would you be able to pass a guilty charge if you knew that that person was going to die and was going to receive the death uh, penalty, which is, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's one worth uh, thinking about. And when and you're right about miscarriages of justice because if you look back at that programme, the first it's running for three weeks on RTEs and on a Monday night crimes and confessions it dealt with the Una Linsky uh, murder, which by the way nobody has ever been found guilty of complete miscarriage of uh, justice crimes and confessions. This heavy gang they were known at within a guard the Shiacona. I mean, just bet the living daylights out of these local young fellas to get them to confess to a murder that they didn't do. It was a shocking, shocking uh, case. And next Monday nights is the Salins train robbery, which I have to say I can't really remember. I'll be, I'll watch it though. And then the following week is the one that I think will be jaw dropping for uh, people of a certain age who won't remember at all but they're going to look at the Kerry Kerry babies and remember the Kerry babies and people signing confessions and they were so intimidated by the Gardaí at the time so yeah there is now we're in a very different era you would hope that that would never happen now but there is always the possibility for a miscarriage of justice and somebody else actually by text is making the point that thank God for DNA it saved that man that was held in custody uh, yesterday Okay, we're going to take a break and we are back talking movies with uh, Mark Malone after It's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joining us on this Friday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Okay, you watched two movies for us, Ghostbusters Afterlife and the other is American Siege. We're going to take a quick listen to a trailer from Ghostbusters. What are you doing here in Somerville anyway? We're completely broke. My grandfather left us this creepy old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. This thing is real? Should we open it? What did we let out? No way! Oh my god. I think we opened the gates of hell. Hey, bud. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now, are we back to the, this is the old Ghostbusters? Who are you going to call Ghostbusters? Yeah, it's like they've decided that uh, the one that they made in 2016, the all-female Ghostbusters, didn't basically happen. (laughs) All right, okay. So it's kind of based on uh, kind of the original, uh, all right, it's like kind of the next step on. So there are links between this and the very first two films. I presume you've seen the very first two films. Absolutely, absolutely. I liked the one with the girls. (laughs) Say again? I liked the one with the girls. So did I. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it didn't do very well at the box office. And, uh, you know, the fans, mainly male keyboard warriors at home, thought, well, you know, we can't possibly have a Ghostbusters with women in it. I thought it was really good fun. And I remember giving it a review uh, with you and giving it a very good review. So I really quite enjoyed it. And I certainly recommend people, you know, not to dismiss it and kind of to watch it. The interesting thing about the first couple of films, certainly I saw the first film and both of them actually in the cinema. And I remember when the first film came out, it was about 1984. I remember actually being disappointed when I watched it. I actually didn't think it was particularly funny. Now, obviously, I've changed my mind over the years. I've seen it 10, 20 times or whatever. And obviously, I've warmed to it and I like it. And now I've kind of understand the kind of comedy of it. And now I realise why it's a classic movie. I've had it on VHS. I've still got it on uh, DVD somewhere. And uh, whenever it's on TV, I do watch it. And I did like the second one as well. 
as you say, the one in 2016, the all-female Ghostbusters, I did enjoy as well. So this is written and directed by uh, Jason Reitman. Now, Jason is the son of Ivan Reitman, who made the original. So he's wanted to make a, um, a remake for a very, very long time. Years back, there was meant to be a third Ghostbusters, but it was Bill Murray. Bill Murray was the man who kind of put the kibosh on it constantly and said, look, I don't really want to be involved. So the third film was never made. So fans have been waiting for this film to be made for a very, very long time. And Jason Wrighton has said, look, the ghost of his father, you know, was looking over his shoulder <laughs> constantly whilst he was making this film to make sure he got it right. And I'm glad to be able to say, Yes, he did get it right. Ah. I mean, yes, there's a lot There's a lot of fan service here. You know I mean? The proton packs are there. The monsters are there. But, and, you know, the, the, there's a lot of kind of nostalgia at work here. Yes, there is. But, and someone might say it's just kind of an easy kind of sequel to make. But it has its own kind of original ideas as well. The film looks great. The film looks beautiful. It's got that very 80s look to it, the cinematography, and that's all deliberate, I'm sure, of that. Um, it's got that kind of Stranger Things look as well, if you've seen Stranger Things uh, on uh, Netflix, and uh, the star of that, Finn Wolfhard, is also in this. I presume that's not a coincidence. So the story is a single mom. She's got these two kids, these two teenagers, who she brings to her um, her uh, father's um, uh, kind of farm which is out in the middle of nowhere she has been estranged from him anyway for a very long time but because he hid himself away and everybody in the town kind of referred to him as this kind of weird hermit the reality is is that he was a scientist and he was working to try and save the world his granddaughter who is one of the stars of the film here a young woman by the name of mckenna grace who is terrific and she is mind you she's one of these kind of hollywood kind of 12 year olds who's smarter than anybody else and she too has an interest in uh, science and so wants to get to know uh, more about her grandfather and his work and what he was trying to do and the film also stars paul rudd who i'd like to have seen a little bit more of but all of the cast are really really terrific i think it's very very entertaining the other good thing about it was that on that dvd that i have there's a commentary of Ivan Reitman talking about um, about the original movie and doing the commentary on it, mentioning that he didn't particularly like the special effects. He thought they weren't very good. But that was what was so terrific about the original films is the fact that the special effects were really, really quite cheesy. Yeah. And, what, um, and what Jason Reitman has decided to do here is to kind of replicate that. A lot of the monsters are not CGI. They're real. They're puppets and very good puppets. And that gives them a kind of a sense of reality, if that makes any sense. And also even some of the monsters, uh, which are obviously um, special effects, are done in a really cheesy way to kind of replicate the original. And I really like that as well. I, I, you know, I love that about it. Um, it's a PG-13 film, and I should point that out. And I think what but that makes, basically means that they think 13-year-olds, uh, under-13s, shouldn't watch this. Because there are times when it's a bit creepy and a bit scary and a bit weird. Uh, there are these little marshmallow monsters and weird things happen to them, which might frighten kind of very sensitive kind of young kids. So keep that in mind, by the way. If you do show yeah, this to your yeah, kids. Yeah, because the, the uh, earlier movie, you could have shown it to under 13s. Not necessarily. I mean, really? the, the the first film was pretty creepy. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, uh, some of the scenes with Sigourney Weaver were were really oh, quite scary. Yeah, you know? Yeah, I, I I always just think of it as as a kids' movie. But yeah, you yeah you're right. You're actually right. Yeah, and uh, even I was shocked at some of the stuff I was kind of watching in this film. I was like, ooh, cranky. It's funny. It's uh, exciting. It's um, and it has its own sense of originality. It has its own place within the, the the universe, and I enjoyed it very much indeed. As I say, this young woman, uh, McKenna Grace, I'd love to see more of her. I would like to have seen more of Paul Rudd, who has a kind of a small part in it. There's a very strange scene near the end, though, with J.K. Simmons, 
who hardly says a word. So I don't know how much of his part was cut out of the film. Um, so I don't know when there's a, maybe a, a, another cut released uh, in a few years' time. We might see more of his part. I will recommend it. If you're a Ghostbusters fan, I think you will enjoy it. And I think a lot of the fans who were critical, um, um, unfairly so, of the 2016 uh, film, well, I think no they'll face. enjoy it as well. Okay. But just keep in mind, for very, very young, sensitive kids, there might Do. be a few okay. scenes which they might find shocking. So Ghostbusters Afterlife, mark it out of 10? I'll give it eight. Eight out of ten. All right. You also yeah. watched American Siege. What's this about? Uh, this stars uh, Bruce Willis. Now, the thing about Bruce Willis, I make this joke about Bruce Willis and Nicolas Cage, and I talk about how they seem to be trying to outdo themselves by trying to make as many movies as yeah. possible. Yeah. And like a very good example, right, is that, you know, Bruce Willis, who, of course, as we know, at one stage was the biggest star in the world, just keeps making these movies that would have, in fact, gone kind of straight to video back in the 80s. But now they go straight to VOD. And big stars normally make about two movies a year. Now, Bruce Bruce Willis was in nine movies last year Incredible. in 2021. He's got 11 films in production for 2022. How does he even and find the, thing, the time to make all those movies? To star and in I will movies? tell you and I will tell you why. Why? Because well, basically he turns up, he plays Bruce and leaves. He makes films in Los Angeles, he in California. He very very leaves uh, the, his area. He turns up, does his thing and leaves takes the, 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 the check and goes oh. next. And this is a very, very good example. Even though if you look at the poster, he is the star of the poster. He only filmed on one single day for this film. And uh, basically, um, it's a kind of a home invasion film. And he spends most of his uh, time outside of the home, uh, communicating with uh, the people who have taken over this house uh, by telephone. And most of his shots are actually in front of a tree. And so, therefore, if ever they need, they think, okay, well, let's put Bruce into the film. All they had to do was this, just film Bruce in front of a tree, looking annoyed, looking happy, smiling, angry, and then just edited it into the film. I mean, it's a nonsense. It really is. And um, and the thing about the film itself is that they made it very, very quickly. So there was no kind of camera setups in this. It's all handheld cameras. So the cameras are just shaking all over the place. It's written and directed by a guy by the name of uh, Edward Drake. And it is very, very poor indeed. I mean, it really is. Again, it's one of those movies that would, in the past, would have just gone straight to video and nobody would have kind of thought to uh, have had two minds about it. But this one has well, what was once one of the biggest stars in the world. So I suppose uh, the question you have to ask is if you, he doesn't really care about the film and has only just done it for the paycheck, why should we? Um, and I'm afraid the reality is, is that it isn't very good. It, can you see the poster? Have you got a printout of the poster uh, I there? Don't have a pi- I, know, I don't have a poster on it. No, I have a printout but no poster. All right, in the poster, actually, uh, the film stars a guy by the name of Timothy V. Murphy. Now, he actually gets first billing ahead of Bruce Willis. Now, Bruce is hardly in this movie at all. If you're wondering who Timothy V. Murphy is, Timothy V. v. Murphy is Kerry's other Hollywood star. So we've got Fastbender and we have Timothy V. Murphy, who's a man who a lot of you won't recognize, whose name you won't recognize, but whose face you will, because he's made an incredible career in Hollywood over the past 20, 30 years, just doing bad guys. He, does a, he plays a lot of Russians. He plays um, a lot of gangsters. He's very good with accents, even though if you go on YouTube and see him being interviewed, he's got a Kerry accent, and it's very <laughs> strange. It's very odd, and he's a very handsome man. He was in 
Glenn Rowe all those years ago. He's made a terrific career, uh, mainly as a bad guy. He's got he's very good with accents, and so um, and he's very good in this. And he's the only good thing in this whole movie. It really is dreadful and terrible, and it's such a shame. And I don't know what Bruce is up to, unless like um, you know others in his kind of situation, he's got a big tax bill or something to pay. It, I don't it know. Surely but it's like, can't all be about money for Bruce Willis. It can't. Well, it just seemed to be. As I say, if you make 11 films in one year, you you know, you're just dipping in and out, really. Do you know what I mean? And so I don't know what it is unless he just wants his face on screen. The thing is that these films are terrible. I mean, if he made kind of nine movies last year, I know I reviewed two of them. Can't remember anything about them. And and I'm sure that it'll be a very similar uh, situation next year, considering how big a star he was. Mm. At least, you, you know, um, it would, would be nice for him to come at least kind of sit back and maybe try and uh, and put some effort in and maybe try and kind okay. of produce a movie jo- that Jonathan, has some kind of artistic kind of a, you know acceptability Jonathan, rather than making this nonsense. Jonathan, one of our listeners, I agree 100% with Mark about Bruce Willis. I haven't seen the movie that he's talking about today, but any of the movies I've watched that he's made over the last two to three uh, years uh, the acting is particularly poor they're poor movie quality and in some cases they're actually unwatchable says Jonathan okay so Mark <laughs> American Siege out of 10 uh, I'll give it two for, for, for our, our Kerryman our, okay. our, our Hollywood oh. Kerryman Timothy okay. D. Murphy great man Alright thanks for that Mark have a good week and uh, we'll chat to you again uh, next week that is Mark Malone our movie reviewer and I just saw a text uh, pop in. Somebody's wondering, does anybody know if there's any vigil vigil for Ashley in the Enniskeen area? Uh, somebody would like to go in Enniskeen if anybody knows of uh, one that is organised. Okay, that's where I leave you for uh, today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you on Monday morning. Stay safe and look after yourselves. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. One Great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.